0: Good morning. We're glad you are here. Uh, I believe that God is speaking to you. I believe it is not an accident that you're in the room or watching online where you are at church at your home. And so I believe it's a a, a great day. You know, uh, this week we're getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving. And I don't know about you, but uh, while Thanksgiving may look different than normal or the expectations of what it was, I think gratitude is a choice that we get to make and that we have a lot to be thankful for. And one of the things that I'm so thankful for um, is, uh, is all of you. I'm so thankful for you, for your life, for your love, for your devotion to Jesus and how we together get to serve him. And so it's just an honor uh, to be here each and every week. Uh, you know, here in Southeast Kansas and uh, our region, we're seeing kind of a spike of some uh, COVID numbers and more and more people are needing to quarantine for safe reasons, and uh, some of you are at home today because you kind of, uh, because of work or other places, came, came close contact with somebody, and so all of these realities are creeping in. I had a conversation with somebody this week, and they said, you know, uh, this is the first time in this whole process since March that it's really gotten this close to my home, and it's impacted other people, but more and more people that I know are starting to be impacted in a, in a negative way, and that's the reality for many of us. Uh, where we're having to see it. It's kind of creeping closer and closer to us, and we're not walking in fear. Um, And as a church, we're not uh, walking in fear by any means, but we always have wanted to stay prudent and do what we felt was reasonable to allow us to continue to gather, to worship together, and uh, to, to meet together one with another. That's kind of been our motivation and our Our desire, because I believe church is essential. I believe worshiping together is essential. I believe singing is essential for who we are as people of God. Um, And we want to continue to do the reasonable thing as we move forward. And there are some, you know, mandates and some things that are are happening within our community and within our our state. And um, up to this point, some of the I'm so thankful that uh, there have been no uh, COVID cases related to our church gatherings. I praise God for that. I I praise God for the safety and the protocols and some of the things that we've done to kind of be safe and do the things that we've done within our ability to help do that. And up to this point, we've just simply recommended masks. If you would wear one, wear one. If you don't want to wear one, don't wear one. Um, But for the foreseeable future, I'm going to ask that we up that. Instead of just simply kind of recommending it, I'm moving to what I'm calling, I'm going to request it. I'm just going to ask you, would you be willing, and if you are able, to grab a mask and wear it while we are seated and you're unable to distance? If you're able to distance, distance. But In spaces and times, especially as we're traveling in our lobby, checking your kids, those things, I'm going to ask that you do. No, I'm not going to require it. We're not going to add bouncers to the door. Um, We're not going to kick people out. We want to continue to make the gospel accessible and the, the gathering of the people accessible as long as we possibly can. But we don't think it is unreasonable. Uh, to simply request that we begin to, as we can, and if you're able, to help us do that because we want to keep your family healthy. We want to keep businesses open in our community. Um, and we've, as a leadership team, kind of just made the decision that we plan to keep meeting together in person as long as schools are meeting, as long as uh, we're not in a hospital situation where there is no care, no space available, and as long as we're, we're able to do it, we want to continue to gather. And if this is a thing that we can do with reasonable uh, effectiveness, then we say, let's go ahead and do it. Now, I know that there are a lot of us that, uh, and many of you who have differing opinions and thoughts and processes of how effective, and is it pointless, and is my freedom being taken away? I know many, many, many different opinions exist out there. Can I just tell you kind of where I'm at personally? And this is kind of kind of shaping my own approach to this, because I, I don't personally enjoy wearing a mask. I've never talked to anybody who wore one and be like, man, this is the best fashion statement I've ever been able to make, wearing one of these. Like, it just, it just doesn't happen. But when it comes to our posture as followers of Jesus, I believe what we've been studying in Galatians chapter 5 like in verse 13 where it says dear brothers and sisters we're called to be free but let's not use our freedom to indulge our flesh but rather let's use it to serve others humbly I really feel like that's the posture of my heart that's the posture of our church's heart and that's the that's the heartbeat with which I'm making this simple ask and you still have freedoms, you still can do as you wish, but this is my request simply so that we can walk in humility together, serving others, and maintain being able to gather and sing and worship our Lord. Let's keep reading Galatians 5 because this has kind of been our, our, our chapter that we've been studying through the course of this, uh, this study, Hope for Your Home. And, and we've said from the onset that if you didn't come from a healthy family, you can ensure that a healthy family still comes From you, in other words, it doesn't matter the upbringing that you had. That God can do a work, and the Spirit can be at work in your life, and develop something ideal. These ideal thoughts of the fruit of the Spirit can be evidence in our homes, and it's not because of our strength, our abilities, our goodness, but rather the fruit of the Spirit is evidence of God at work, who is great, and because our hope is in God our hope in our homes can grow. In Galatians 5.13, it goes on to say this, "You, you brothers and sisters were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22 says, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let us not become conceited, verse 26 says, but rather, uh, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Let us not become arrogant, thinking that we know better than other people, thinking that our opinion is the right opinion. Let us not become conceited in all of our ways and how we approach our relationships. No, let's not allow conceit to drive us to a point of being provoking, or even envying other people you know i believe that we want the fruit of the spirit to be in our homes i believe that's true of you i know it's true of me but often what we find instead of the fruit of the spirit is sometimes if we're honest we'd have to look and say in our homes we're finding it more contentious we have conflict Uh, we have some chaos maybe organized or unorganized chaos in our homes and our schedules We can find ourselves being conceited. We can find our houses flowing with criticism instead of celebration. And this might be the reality of our homes. I don't know if you can relate to this, but sometimes we get into arguments with one another and they're really, really silly arguments, aren't they? Like, Like, I don't know what the dumbest argument you've had. I don't know if you've ever gotten to the point where you're arguing with somebody who lives in your home only to realize, wait, what were we arguing about again? And like having these silly things and nothing helps us see this better than when we look at how often young children argue with each other. Uh, There's one mom who was lamenting on her blog about some of the dumbest things, 29 silly fights that her kids get into. Things like whose juice glass is cooler, arguing. Believe it or not, children can argue whether or not they argue a lot. Uh, here's another argument they get into. Who's out in any game of gaga, butts up, handball, or in the Nerf war? Who's sock is on the floor? They can argue about anything based on opinion. They can argue about anything based on fact. They can argue about who said hi to the neighbor first. They can argue about what time grandma and grandpa are coming over. argue about what time grandma and grandpa actually came over. What time grandma and grandpa actually arrived? Who hugged grandma and grandpa first? They could argue about how empty, how to empty a dishwasher. Newsflash, she says they both are terrible at unloading the dishwasher. Right? How to scoop dog poop. Who fed the dog last? Whose tortoise is bigger? Who gets the last of anything? Who gets the first of anything? Uh, what we had for dinner last night, who gets sunscreen applied first at the beach, whether or not the new Maroon 5 song is overplayed, which route to school is faster. They argue about who started it. They argue about who gets to use the treadmill and who has to use the elliptical in the garage because sharing them is unacceptable. Who got to unlock the car door? Who gets to unlock the front door? Who forgot to close the door? Who forgot to close the front door. Who uh, is Slurpee better than a McFlurry? Who greeted dad at the door first and who greeted dad at the door yesterday first? These are the silly things that we argue about and that our children argue about. It's not quite love and joy and peace and patience. There's a little bit more strife. Here's what I've discovered in life, is that where strife abounds, love is not abounding. When there is strife, The Bible says that it's actually in the midst of strife. In those environments, every kind of evil can begin to be present. Strife is a big deal. Conflict happens when we abide in our flesh rather than keeping in step and abiding with the Spirit of God. When we step out of the Spirit and we walk in our flesh, John 15, Jesus tells us to abide in Him. to to have this awareness of his presence, this understanding of who he is, being connected to him. If we will abide in him, we will produce fruit. What kind of fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit of the spirit that is evidenced when we abide in Christ instead of abiding in our own flesh. And we want love to abound in our homes. We don't want strife to abound in our homes. And and I think love is, 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 when I talk about love, I'm not talking about just like the the feelings of like welcomeness and value necessarily. I'm not just talking about the the warm fuzzies that you get, right? Like I'm not talking about just about romantic love. I'm not just talking about like the passion of love. I, I think I'm talking more about the decision of love that leads from not just the spectacular things, but to the mundane things. Every time I uh, coach a couple before they get married, and in every wedding ceremony that I perform, I use a specific definition of love. And here's the definition that I use with, with all couples. That love is a choice to sacrifice yourself for the sake of the other, rather than sacrificing the other person for the sake of your own self. Love is a choice to sacrifice yourself rather than to live selfishly for your own ways. It's that kind of love. It's the kind of love that is a decision to take out the trash. It's the kind of love that's the decision that uh, it's not my turn, but I'm gonna do the dishes anyways. It's the conversation, it's the decision that says, ah, it's not my turn to take out the dog, but I'm gonna take the dog on the walk anyways. It's my decision, it's it's not my my turn to pick the TV show, but I'm gonna let you pick the TV show. Love is about living out the mundane. It's seen in the common decisions and tasks of our life. And I think the Apostle Paul understood this. I think he understood that if we're going to let the fruit of the Spirit grow, if we're going to avoid strife, it's going to come because we learn how to overcome our selfishness. And I think that's why he wrote, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, things like Ephesians 4, 2, and 3, when he writes and he says, be completely humble and gentle, not prickly about it, not rubbing it in the face, not, not making a big deal about, see, I'm doing it for you. Not, no, no, be, be humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Every effort to keep unity through the bond of peace. Which may mean that you have to take your preferences and set them aside just for a minute and be willing to serve somebody with humility. To, to, to sacrifice yourself for the sake of someone else rather than sacrificing them to maintain your preference. I think this is why he wrote Philippians 2.3. Don't do anything he says, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. You know, Paul was writing to different churches. Because the church is a family. The church is a, a body. It's a, it's a group of people. It's, 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 a, it's got these family dynamics to them. And if the church is going to flourish and walk out the hope of their calling, just like your family is going to walk out the hope of your calling in your home, there are a few things that are true of the church that are also true of your home. And that's what I want to talk about for the next few minutes. See, I believe that hope for your home grows when humility and honor abound. That's what Paul just addressed. When humility and honor abound, I believe hope in your home can grow. Whatever home looks like for you, whether you live on your own or you have a lot of young children, whether you are um, empty nesters or you're just getting started and you've got roommates in your house, whatever home looks like for you, you can have hope in your home when you make a decision to grow in humility and honor. Humility and honor. Everybody say humility. Humility is uh, not thinking less of yourself. That's not humility. Humility isn't like self-deprecating, I'm not any good at this, I'm terrible at this, I'm awful at this. It's not downing yourself. No, no, no. Because we, we read earlier that we have to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We we have to we have to allow love to be poured in our lives so that we can love others. There's this this idea of understanding that we're not thinking less of ourselves. That's not humility. Humility is just simply making a decision to think of yourself less often. That's humility. Instead of thinking of my preferences, my things first, I'm going to think about somebody else's preferences and needs first. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I I wonder if many of us aren't experiencing the presence of God and the hope of God in our homes simply because his grace isn't abounding, because pride exists. Because we're we're looking at each other and living and talking publicly and dealing with others in pride rather than in humility. Bible says, God resists the proud, but he lavishly gives his grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I don't think I can really live my life effectively. I don't believe my home is full of hope if there is no grace of God in it. If God's grace isn't there. And one of the ways we can see God's grace show up, articulate, be seen is when we live with humility. I believe that a humble heart is the product of a soft heart, a repentant heart, a heart that is willing to repent, a heart that is willing to to soften itself before the Lord. King David said it like this. A broken and contrite heart you will not despise. Which, you know, when I read verses like that, it gets me to wondering, is there a kind of a heart that God does despise? Is there a kind of heart that God's like willing to reject? And I think when you look at the context of all of scripture, you're going to find, yeah, a proud, unrepentant heart is a heart that God rejects. It's a a heart that God says, I'm going to resist. My grace cannot be applied into that environment, into that heart. Humility grows in us, and therefore we see God's hope growing in us. Humility is a willingness to apologize and to seek reconciliation. Because the reality is this. There will be conflict in your home. Why? Because humans live in your home. (laughs) That's why there will be conflict. There will be tension. There will be moments of, of, of fights. There will be moments where you disagree. There will be moments where you don't see eye to eye in your family, in your home. It's going to happen because you're human. It's going to happen because it's a part of the, the way we work and how we are. It's, it's going to be there. But how you respond to conflict matters. It's not whether or not if it's going to show up. It's what you're going to do when it does show up that matters. Uh, Jesus gives us this illustration and instruction, actually, in Matthew chapter 18. He says, when talking to, as it relates to relationships in the family of God, he says, say somebody sins against you, or somebody does something that offends you, that hurts you, that causes uh, angst in you, does something against you. Jesus says, the first thing you need to do is be willing to go to them personally And speak honestly with them. If you can't create reconciliation and understanding and you can't move on, the next time go bring somebody else with you who is spiritual to help mediate the conflict. And then if that doesn't work, then take it to the church and ask the leaders of the church to come and help mediate from a spiritual perspective. Why? Because relationships matters. We want to walk in humility because as Paul wrote, do everything you can to live in the bond of peace keeping unity in the spirit. So Jesus gives us these rules for resolving conflict. Uh, let me give you, uh, kind of take those as an idea and give you kind of some practical things in your home, how you can resolve conflict. Four, four steps, I think, to, to help resolving conflict in the work environment, in your home, with among brothers and sisters of Christ. Four, four practical things that you can do to resolve conflict. Number one, Talk with them honestly and directly. Don't talk about them. I think often we just talk about the people and the problem and the conflict rather than talking to the people that we're in conflict with. So talk to them honestly, humbly. Talk to them. Number two, ask questions so that you can understand. Don't assume and make statements. This is key. When you're trying to reconcile some conflict, Ask questions to understand. Don't assume you know where they're coming from and make statements. Ask questions to understand. This one thing has created more empathy in the relationship of of my marriage and helped us navigate differences of opinion, differences of where, where I thought this or she thought that. When we just ask questions that help us understand the other person, we begin to see things from a different perspective and reconciliation can begin. Talk with them honestly. Ask to understand. And then here's number three, resolve it. Resolve the conflict. Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe somebody needs to apologize. Somebody needs to repent. Find common ground in the conflict. Find a new common goal. Resolve it somehow. And then number four, once you resolve it, move forward, don't keep looking back. This is huge. When you have an argument... And you go to each other and you're having a conversation and you begin to understand why they thought this and what created the argument. And then you finally resolve it. Somebody says, I'm sorry I said that. I didn't, I didn't mean that. Or man, I did that. I can see how that hurts you. I'm, I'm really sorry I hurt you. And once you resolve it, once you come to an understanding, once the argument is kind of settled, move on. In other words, if you're wrong, admit it. If you're right, shut up. I was right, see, told you. I'm always right. right. Like, no, 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 just stop. Move on and leave it there. Don't bring it with you. Like a dead pet that you're dragging along. Like next week, you argue again. Last week, when you said that, like, no, 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 no. We resolved that. It's done. It's on. Move on. Move on. Why? Because in humility, we want to create hope in our home and humility is key in our relationships. Ephesians 4: 31 and 32 says it like this, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all the malice in your heart, be kind to one another. tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Friends hope for your home grows when humility, Begins to abound in your heart and in your life, humility. Putting your fir- yourself second instead of first, humility of your heart, not being hard-hearted, not being proud, but being humble in your heart. But it's not just humility that we need. We need humility and we also need honor. Somebody say honor. honor. Romans twelve verse ten says this: Be devoted to one another in love. Be devoted in your homes to the people that are in your home. Be devoted to your church. Be devoted to the Lord. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Honor one another above yourself. Now, honor is one of those words that I think we kind of get, but sometimes we don't fully understand and And a lot of times we confuse honor and respect. And honor and respect, they're similar, but they aren't the same. Honor, I believe, is a gift that we give to somebody else. Respect can be earned and it can be lost. I think there's a difference. Honor is a gift that God requires that we give to other humanity, other people. But respect is something that can be earned and lost and has varying levels of. While they go hand in hand, they are different. Here's what I mean by honor. Honor is acknowledging value in someone else. Acknowledging that this other person in your home, that they're valuable, that they matter, that God died for them just like he died for you. Honor. Valuing other people. An honoring heart, I believe, grows from the soil of a tender heart a loving heart it's a tender soft thing to honor someone else and you have to have humility if you're going to honor somebody else because if you're putting yourself first it's hard to see value in someone else because all you're doing is seeing it yourself when you're walking in arrogance you can't find honor in someone else you can't find that common ground. You can't see the value that they bring, the, the, the heart that they have behind something. It, you are oblivious to it because you're thinking the worst. In fact, when I assume the worst about my wife, you assume the worst about your boss, your friend, your sibling, you are in that moment not showing them honor. So I want you to think about it. When you are assuming the worst about somebody, assuming their motives, why they did that in the car pickup line, why they're they're intentionally cheating in the fast lane at the grocery store. They're intentionally doing this. And when you begin to assume the worst about their motives and their heart and about who they are and what they intended, and you don't really know, you're just assuming, you are dishonoring them. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love does not dishonor. Instead, it always protects Always trusts, always hopes. Love, God's love, never fails. God's love is one of the evidences that the fruit of the Spirit is growing in our life. Can you honor someone? Can you see the value in who they are? Can you honor them and acknowledge it and state that honor? I, I think sometimes we find ourselves not being willing to state honor or value in someone else because we feel like it's going to validate everything else in their life. That's not what Scripture says. It doesn't? It's similar to forgiving. We think that if we forgive them, all of a sudden that makes everything that they did meaning we're okay with it. And that's not true at all. Those two things aren't really the same. I can honor somebody and find value in them, the value of God that God placed in them without saying that I agree with the totality of who they are, it's totally different. But it hasn't changed my heart posture. Is my heart tender before them? Am I growing in honor of them? See, honoring other people is an act of love. Love is who God is. Love is what has been poured out in our hearts. Therefore, it can be poured out to other people. Look at Romans 5, verse 5. It says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given it to us. In other words, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have surrendered your life, if you have been made new by the cross of Christ, the love of God is already in you and what God expects of you is to take the love that he put in you and just demonstrate it by honoring the people around you. It's not your love. It's not your emotions. It's not your, your good nature. It's God's love itself that's at work in you that you have in you and you can give. Freely you've received. Freely I can give. I can give that honor. I can honor the people in my house that I am ticked off at. I don't have to be degrading and negative with my words. I can still speak tenderly and gently and do everything I can to live at peace in this moment as I live with a humble heart and I honor them with my words. This is what I believe the church of Jesus should be looking like. This is what I think it means to be a follower of Jesus. To live with humility and to give away honor. And in those moments when we allow humility and honor to grow in our life and in our heart, you know what happens? Hope shows up in your home. The hope that you're longing for shows up. In fact, I would go as far as to say this, that when you are walking in humility and you are walking in honor, you are living the life that Jesus called you to live. And I believe that God's presence itself shows up in those moments. In fact, there's a way, though, I believe there is a way that is the best way that i found through Scripture to develop a heart of humility and a lifestyle of honor. One real simple way. Don't miss this. Here's, here's, Here's the secret. The secret sauce, if you will. Honor and humility, I believe, can be developed when we make a decision to worship God with all our heart. When you make a decision to worship God with all your heart, you are cultivating a heart of humility and a lifestyle of honor that God is proud of, is pleased with, his grace rests on it, and he's there among you. If you want to have hope in your home, you need the presence of God in your home. If you want to have the presence of God in your home, you've got to walk with humility and honor. If you want to get better at having humility and honor, be a person who worships God with all your heart. Here's what I mean. Think about it like this. In worship, when I'm singing and I'm worshiping God, I'm actually ascribing honor to God. I'm talking and singing about the value of God. Which is really just love being expressed in words put the song, right? And when I demonstrate surrender in worship, that's the expression of worship, I am directly removing my pride in that moment. Friends, do you know what the universal symbol of surrender is? It's the universal sign of surrender. Hands up, I surrender, I'm I'm done. Surrender is humility in action. When I lift my hands in worship, I am expressing to God that I surrender and I'm gonna be humble before him. When I sing songs of praise to God, about God, to God, I am articulating the honor that I have in my heart for God, who is worthy of all honor, whether you feel it or not, whether you're vibing on the song or not. It's a decision of your will. Love is a decision of your will. It's a choice. When I choose to worship God the way God says to worship, which is always sung and expressed, demonstrated physically. I'm growing in humility. I'm cultivating a heart of of humility, and I'm learning how to ascribe honor to God. Look, Look at Ephesians 5, verse 19. It says, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. When you worship with all your heart, you are cultivating honor and humility in your life. And it allows the presence of God to show up. And when the presence of God shows up, there is hope in his presence. There's something that happens when you're in the presence of God. It uses these words psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You may be thinking, well, what's a psalm? What exactly is that? The Greek word here is the word psalmos which means this, songs to God with music. Songs to God with music. So worship is songs to God with music. It's also hymns. This is the Greek word, humnos. It's not the hardback book that sits in the pew in front of you and everybody turns to page 74. That's not a hymn. It's what we call a hymn, but that's not what Scripture's talking about. A hymn, according to this passage, this word, humnos, is just simply songs about God. Songs about God. The the, the things that you believe, the theology, who He is, the description of His nature and His character. That's what it means. Songs about God. So sing songs to God that have music. Sing songs about God. And then spiritual songs It's that pneumaticos ode in the original language and it simply means this songs you sing on your own songs that come from your gut and your heart i I often think of spiritual songs that songs that just lyrics that pop up bubbly from a heart of worship to god maybe there's songs that are written and songs that aren't written My, my youngest daughter does this often she'll be sitting at the table coloring doing her homework And all of a sudden, she'll just have this melody that she'll start singing and making up words on her own about God, to God. It's the cutest, sweetest thing. Sounds terrible, but I don't care. So loving and wonderful. Because the purity of her heart is to honor her king, is to worship her Jesus. She's developing a heart of humility and honor to God. If you want to have humility and honor, let me say it this way if you want to have hope in your home, you need to grow in humility and honor. If you want to grow in a heart and a life of humility and honor, learn to worship Jesus with all your heart. Jeremiah 29 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. John 4 Jesus is having a conversation. He says, True worshipers are going to worship God in spirit and in truth spirit in other words the, the seed of who you are what's really going on the life that god's given you it's it could be better translated with all your heart and that word truth is be, maybe better understood in the word sincerity and the reality of who you are from the depths of the honesty of who you are no 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 posturing no performing it's just a heart that says god I'm worshiping you, my knowledge and understanding of who you are, God, that that you are worthy despite how I feel, despite what the year has looked like, despite what Thanksgiving is going to look like. I'm still going to choose gratitude. I'm still going to choose to give you honor. I'm still going to choose to give you praise. I'm going to lift my hands in humble surrender. And I'm going to tell you, God, how wonderful you are. And I'm doing it with all my heart. Lamentations 3.41 says, let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. started to try to count this week the number of times the Bible commands us to sing, shout, clap, dance, kneel, lift our hands, play the instruments before the Lord. Like tr- these are all expressions of worship. These are all the ways God says to worship Him. I started to try and count them up. I quit. There were too many. I lost track, and I lost count, and I'd be like, all right, it says it in the Bible, this is what we do. This is why we do it. Why do people at Faith Church lift their hands? Because God says to do it. And because they are telling God every time they do, you can have it all, Lord. I surrender. I'm humble before you, God. That's why. Why? why do we sing because we we want to honor our king we want to honor a god who's worthy of all honor doesn't matter what i think feel or see he's still worthy of our honor because he is the king of all so we sing we worship I, i think we need to have an environment in our home that is marked by the presence of god so love can flourish so we lift our hands, we sing, we, we kneel, we, we get before the Lord and we, we, we articulate our words to him. Friends, I believe hope can grow in your home, but it's going to require you to walk in humility and honor. And the best way to practice and grow in humility and honor is to be a person that worships God with all your heart. I don't care what your personality is. I don't care what church persuasion you grew up in. I don't know what stream of faith you came from. I don't I don't know, necessarily even care how well you sing. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is that if you want hope to grow, you're going to need humility and honor. And if you want to be humble and grow in honor, then be a person who expresses worship to God the way God expects us to worship. Friends, Many of us are comfortable singing and mumbling the song as the lyrics go on the screen. Most of us are okay with doing that. It doesn't take too much of us to do that. We don't sing real loud because we don't want anybody to hear us. and That's just kind of where we're at. We're willing to do that. We might even close our eyes, place our hands on the chair in front of us and like tap along. Some of us, have come to an understanding that humility has to be demonstrated and so we're willing to lift our hands and surrender. Some of us higher than others, but we lift them all the same. Few of us have come to a place where we know that what we really need to do is give really everything. Get on our knees, close our eyes, and lift our hands. Give him our praise from our own heart Friends, when you begin to express worship The way God says to worship him You begin to experience his presence In a personal way And it's true, you'll feel the presence of God In this room Because there are other people Who are worshiping God in that way And his presence is seen and known And it can be awkward The first time you decide on your own to lift your hands in a public space, it feels awkward. It's even more awkward when you decide to do it in your home by yourself, and you turn on some worship music, and you close your eyes, and you just kind of lift your hands and begin to worship God. What are you doing? You're practicing honor and humility when you do it. And in that moment, God makes himself known to you. His spirit and his presence is there with you. I want to challenge every mom and dad and especially every dad in the sound of my voice if you want to change the environment in your home and you want to see strife begin to be dismissed become a man who worships God the way God says to do it be willing to walk with humility and express honor to God and something begins to change in your heart. Your heart will become less hard. It becomes more tender and soft before God. And you'll actually find yourselves more passionate in other areas of your life when you become passionate in the areas of your worship to God. I think it's time that we shift and we begin to experience hope in our home, unlike no other, because we become a people who walk in humility and honor. And the best way to practice humility, the best way to grow in humility, the best way to grow in honor is to be a person who is expressive in your worship. It's gonna risk some things. Something in you is gonna have to be sacrificed and killed the first time you lift your hand and sing aloud and close your eyes and maybe kneel before the Lord. But maybe, just maybe, that's what needs to happen. So something else can flourish and grow in its place. something happens in your life when you become a worshiper who worships with all your heart. Let's be a people that worships God with all of our heart so that we can live in our homes with humility and honor and we can see hope grow in those moments. Psalm 63 verse 1 through 4 says this and then we'll take communion together. Oh God, You are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there's no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding the power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Love is a choice to sacrifice. Love is an act of your will. When your love for God grows... It starts as a choice, not an emotion. This is why I want to challenge you every day this week. Start it with worship. What do I mean? I mean as soon as the alarm goes off, turn off the alarm. Sit up on the side of your bed. And before you move any further, close your eyes. Lift your hands. And just tell God, God... I worship you today. I want to honor you today. I want to walk humbly with you today. I am yours. I surrender. And start your day in the presence of God. Start your day worshiping God. You You can pray your own prayer. You can sing your own song. But every day, when you wake up, eyes closed, hands up, words expressed with your lips, would you worship God? And let's practice being in the presence of God every day this week and allow humility and honor to grow and hope to flourish in our homes. Let's go before the Lord as we get ready to prepare our hearts. I wonder if maybe you would be willing to with elements in one hand and an emptiness in the other hand would you just right now put your hands in a posture of worship of surrender to the Lord would you kind of lift your hands up a little bit take a couple deep breaths and just say Jesus I welcome your presence I love you and I surrender to you Father, would you allow us to worship you with all of our heart this week would you allow us to see and express our love from a heart of humility with words of honor to you this week Lord as we come to your table today taking the bread which represents your body and the blood which, the, the juice which represents your blood would you allow us God to experience your presence like never before this week but hope grow in our homes because we walk in humility and honor as we practice worshiping you with all our heart. God, you gave us your all at the cross. May we give you our all in worship. In Jesus' name, let's take the bread together. the juice now let me pray a blessing over you Father I thank you for your people for we are your body your family you're our father and so Lord I pray that today and this week as we gather for Thanksgiving in our homes as we offer thanks to you Lord would you allow us to develop a heart of worship May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you as we grow this week in humility and in honor, making decisions of our will to worship with all of our heart. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: I pray that today's sermon has been encouraging and life-giving. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, please text LIFE to 620-604-9280. We wanna celebrate with you and share some resources to help you build your relationship with Jesus. And if you're in service and would like prayer for anything, please come to the prayer spot. We are ready to pray with you. Also, just a couple of reminders. If you're watching online, hey, pray about who you can invite over to watch with you next Sunday. Church is always better with people. Do you have a question regarding today's sermon? Why don't you send it our way through any of the ways through our email or local social media? Also, lastly, do you need prayer? Just ask. We are ready to pray and encourage you. Well, friends and family, it's been so good being together with you this morning. I I pray that you experience the ever-faithful love and wisdom of God as you go through your week. We'll see you next Sunday.